the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's your life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the James Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and to overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. And I, wow, man, I tell you, Todd, this is one of those wow, 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 wow days, man, because I got a very, very special guest here, man, that's going to enlighten us, going to educate us, going to empower us, and uh, she's going to tell us and tell the whole world, you know, that everyone should be treated fairly with dignity, most importantly, respectfully. And, uh, man, this young lady, man, I've been doing my research on her. She's doing a lot of powerful, powerful things out there. And I just listened to uh, a TED Talk that she just did, and I'm blown away. But, Todd, everybody should be treated with respect. I agree. You know, it's a golden rule. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Yeah, but, man, we, we got to get the rest of the world, you know, at least pretty much most of the world, to start believing in that, man. Because um, sometimes we just look at people and we make judgments just because of the way that they look, the color of their skin, the religion, and all of this other type of things, without even looking at the whole person, without even taking in consideration that, you know, everybody is born with purpose, and, and regardless of whatever black, white, pink, gold, purple, religion, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't, and, you know, the thing is it's sad when people have those, you know, preconceived notions or prejudice and, and aren't open to being respectful and friendly to others you miss out on a different perspective a different you know so you can learn a lot from other people so hopefully that we can change that with this show right here we're going to change that with this show and wherever you listening to this show at in the world i mean uh television uh podcast radio streaming networks uh wow you in for a treat because we're going to bring it to you and Seja is going to bring it to you because uh, a very fascinating young lady. Michelle will be joining us uh, a little later, you know, but uh, listen, audience, you want to be part of this conversation, that's one 888 again. That's one 888 Well, you know, so first of all, I'm going to tell you about the title of the show. Uh, we got Seja, and I I'm, I don't know, I, I hope I don't mess up her last name. I, I call it uh, a fat car. Am I close? You're close. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay. Please tell our audience uh, uh, so that they would get it right. Sure. It's Sajel Thacker. Thacker. Okay. I was, I was real close, but, you know, close, <laughs> close on the counting horseshoes. You know, but Sajel is going to be telling us about educating and empowering people to create a world where everyone is treated, treated with dignity and respect. And that's what we were just talking about because that's what it's all about. Let me tell you. 
the purpose of today's show. The purpose of today's show is getting to know the background of former employment lawyer. Yes, she's an attorney, uh, two-time TED Talk speaker, proud mompreneur. Uh, I, I'm sure she's going to tell us what that means. Founder and chief civility officer at TrainX Extra and uh, chief culture officer at Nobody Studio with Sage Thacker. I tell you, so we're going to get a chance to learn all about that. We're also going to learn how to talk about and train ourselves on the Train Extra and Nobody Studio. Discuss the issues of unconscious bias. I believe that that's so important in the world because a lot of people don't understand the way that you react towards things. I mean, well, we're going to let her talk about that. We're going to discuss how to create a positive, safe, and respectful workplace. And most importantly, we're going to talk about the various topics that she shares on her two-time uh, TED speaker device. And I know it's going to be many, many more to come. Yes, yeah, so. sir. Uh, normally, Michelle would be doing this, uh, all this introduction, but um, I, uh, you know what, I, I, I look forward to this. Sager Thacker is on a mission to educate and empower people to create a world where everyone is treated with dignity and respect. She is responsible for cultivating a people-first culture at Nobody's Studio. Sager is a former employment law attorney, a two-time TED speaker, and the, and the founder and chief civility officer at Train Extra, where she helped leaders create positive, safe, and respectful workplaces through customizing training and coaching. You know, so uh, without any further delay, I want to welcome Sage to the show. How are you doing, Sage? How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, James and Todd, for such a warm welcome. I've been looking forward to our conversation today. So thank you again. Really humbled and honored to be here with both of you. Wow. You know, just uh, getting started, I listened to your TED Talk uh, last night, the one that you had sent me. I was struck away about how uh, you just laid it out in 15 minutes or less where it was like, this is what people need to hear. This is what they need to understand. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that a little bit more during this interview. But Sager, can you tell our listeners, what was it like growing up in Chicago and how your family inspired you to be the person that you are today? Sure. And, and thank you for the TEDx talk. Yeah, you'll see. I'm super passionate about that topic and you'll feel that coming out. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just a little bit of background. I'm a daughter of immigrants from India. My parents moved from India to Chicago in 1974. And so it was, you know, it was a rough childhood because, you know, I don't think they got the memo on when you move to a completely different country with a completely different culture, you have to adapt. I think they missed out on that because they were still trying to raise me as Indian inside of our home. And then outside of the home, everything was so different, right? I was we were the only Indian family in a predominantly Italian neighborhood. And so that duality of living between the two cultures, the Indian and the American culture was a, a big experience for me in my childhood. And so that's actually that duality piece is what I really go into in my last TEDx talk that I just did this past weekend. Um, the talk that you saw, I talk about the other part of the equation, which is Growing up in the, you know, as I said, we were the only Indian family. I dealt with a lot of bullying and harassment at a very young age growing up, right? And so our parents literally owned a convenience store 
right across from the elementary school and our house was behind the convenience store. So all the kids, you know, we stood out. We didn't fit in. It was obvious that we weren't welcome or we didn't belong there. And so it was rough. And so in my first TEDx talk, that's what you saw the story about with what I went through there. And I'll tell you what, like when I look back on all of it, um, I have to say that, you know, my parents did the best that they could, James. You know, they really did. They were immigrants. They moved here with no money, barely spoke English. If it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here today. So they've always inspired me to be the best version of myself and the values, the tradition, the culture, the religion, all of that stuff they instilled in me really helps me do the work that I'm doing today. So Wow. wow. Can you tell uh, our listening audience um, a little bit about your backstory uh, as it relates to your educational and professional journey? You have done a lot in your few years of living. (laughs) I feel like I've switched careers many, many, many times, but, you know, it's all about just what fits right. Um, So I I went to undergraduate school in Chicago at University of Illinois, Chicago, and I majored in accounting. James, I knew I was going to go to law school since I was like nine or eight, eight or nine years old, I knew I was going to be going to law school. So for me, that undergraduate degree was just a stepping stone into law school. So that was my plan all along. I graduated from law school at Northern Illinois, again in Illinois, and then I moved straight to California in 2000. And I've been the licensed attorney in California since 2003. So when I first started practicing law, I was actually a defense attorney I was representing supervisors and leaders in court in cases that dealt primarily with harassment discrimination. And that was a really interesting twist to my story because here I went from being someone that was that was a victim of bullying and harassment. And now I was representing people who were being accused of being harassers and people who are discriminating against others. So it was a real interesting twist to my story. Um, I've been licensed, like I said, in California since 2003, continued doing defense litigation for most of my uh, litigation career. And then when my son was born nine years ago, I decided I wanted to be at home with him. And so I left litigation world aside and said, I'm going to just start my own thing at home. Luckily, I had a lot of uh, really great connections in the legal industry. So I started doing a lot of workplace investigations, a lot of training and teaching at some universities on these employment law issues. And that's really where I discovered my sweet spot of training and public speaking. And so I started doing a lot more training and and really found that we, we can do this differently. We can design cultures differently so we don't end up with as many lawsuits. And so started doing a lot of training. I started my own company in 2017, and I've been doing training for clients all over the world now since then until last year where I took on the other position that's recently come my way of chief culture officer. I'm doing that part-time as a consultant with Nobody Studios. So been doing a lot of different things these last few years. Wow. (laughs) I tell you, uh, I want to delve off into a lot of different things and find out what the turning point were of that or were. Or there might have been a lot of turning points that made you decide that, you know, this is what I want to do. And uh, that's why you pursued it. I tell you, we're going to take a station break right now. But when we come back, we're going to continue this great discussion with Sage. If you want to be part of this conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. We'll be back shortly after the break. 
There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. Noah Dingley here, producer of The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And the new audio version of James' book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, is a must-have. James shares his true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, by James Cooley on Amazon.com or wherever audiobooks are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we are offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego, streaming now on iHeart.com and Odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, uh, we just started this fascinating interview with uh, Sega. And, uh, you know, and, and I tell you, she was telling us a little bit about the, the backstory and the education opportunities opportunity that, 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 uh, she, uh, have, have had and the different lives. I mean, in such a short life that uh, she's been doing. And primarily, I tell you, I'm just uh, doing uh, my due diligence and background on her. A very fascinating young lady uh, that's going to share uh, a lot of, all the major things uh, that we're getting ready to go off into, including her TED Talks. And we're going to talk about unconscious bias, and we're going to talk about all of those things that that uh, comes with that territory. And if you want to be part of this great conversation, that's one 888 Again, that's one 888 we got my co-host who uh, uh, just joined us. Um, how you doing, Michelle? I'm doing great, doing great. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, that that you came around. I thought we were going to do this whole thing without you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're a pro. You can do anything. <laughs> you know what? But I tell you, hey, Michelle, can you tell our, our listening audience what the title of the show is again? I mean, normally Michelle does all those things. Yes, the title of the show again today is Sajel Thacker, Educating and Empowering People to Create a World Where Everyone is Treated with Dignity 
and respect. And I tell you, if you want to be part of this great conversation, again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four. Eleven seven. Say, Joe. Well, we was talking about uh, the turning points, uh, or we was getting off into that one, uh, or why you made a decision uh, to pursue the avenue that you are currently doing right now. And I say you're doing a t- tremendous job, uh, but you you had left off about uh, uh, your son, nine years old, and you wanted to spend more time with with him. Can you tell us uh, uh, a little bit more about the turning points? Uh, to, to go along with that. Yeah. And actually, I'm, I'm going to take you back a little bit before that, because um, I think there, there were definitely several key turning points that I had. But one of them is, is you know, really important to talk about because it really led the way to law school. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I was dealing with a lot of harassment and discrimination early on. And I was I was getting angry. I was starting to defend myself. I was fighting back. There was two or three different occasions where I actually got disciplined from school because of, you know, getting into altercations with children because I was just, you know, fed up of dealing with that. And there was one 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 incident that really happened where people had thrown eggs at our house or they teepeed our home. And that's when it got really close to our home. And that was a really big turning point because, again, I, I got suspended for a while after that incident. And. I just realized that if I keep going down this path, it was a road to darkness. You know, I mean, I probably wasn't, I probably end up in jail or something like that. So I, I knew that I wanted to do something better with my life and decided right then that I was going to go to law school. So that was a major point because I said, if I'm dealing with this and I'm doing the best that I can, I want to do what I can to help other people. So that's really what started my social justice advocacy work. Um, after law school, You know, there was another turning point, like I mentioned earlier, when my son was born, because after he came along, I I realized that my priority had shifted and I wanted to be at home with him, but still wanted to use my employment law background to be able to help educate and create better workplaces. So all of that sort of led to me starting my business. And really, I, I that was the best decision I ever made. So there's been several different turning points, but... Um, all I will say is that regardless of all the tough situations that I've kind of had to go through, I've always seen those things as temporary setbacks and just kind of look for how do I move forward from this point. So it's been a up and down kind of journey to get here, but here I am and I, and I absolutely love what I'm doing right now. So it's, it's wonderful that I have the opportunity to, to make a difference in the world. Well, we definitely love what you're doing and <laughs> doing our research and looking at um a lot of the videos and the TED Talk um, um, videos that you've done. Say, Joel, I have a question. So um, looking at um, one of your videos, on, you talk about unconscious bias and how that affects all of us. And you said part of your journey, both professionally and personally, is to learn about it and, to, and also to educate others about it. Can you tell a listening audience what exactly is unconscious bias? Give an example and how that affects us all. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was really what what, I'm glad that you asked me about that question, Michelle, because it's an area that I'm very passionate about. I actually didn't learn about unconscious bias until way into my legal career. And that really pissed me off because I said, how is this something that I don't know about as an attorney when I'm working, dealing with people's lives? And 
um, you know, when I learned about it, I realized there is so much lack of awareness on unconscious bias. So just the word bias in and of itself has a negative connotation associated with it, right? So I just want to clarify anybody that's watching or listening to this that bias in and of itself is not positive or negative, right? It could be a positive bias towards somebody. It could be a negative bias towards somebody. Um, And unconscious bias is just one type of bias. So you also have conscious bias and unconscious bias, right? And the reason why I really focus in on unconscious bias is because we've been dealing with conscious bias, right? We've got laws, we've got policies and organizations that say you can't discriminate, you can't harass, but we don't have a lot behind unconscious bias. And when I learned that unconscious bias is really what you know interferes with all of the decisions we're making, right? And, and I was like, wow, people, we really need to educate people on what unconscious bias is. And so unconscious bias, again, could be positive or negative, But because there's so much information that's constantly coming at us, our brain creates all these shortcuts in our mind based on social stereotypes, based on our culture, based on our own experiences and what we've been exposed to in our life. So unconscious bias is completely normal. If you have a brain, you have bias. And so the real issue is How do we learn about what our own, what I say is preconceived notions are? Because we all have them. And once we know what they are, there are strategies that you can put into place to mitigate those. But because a lot of us think of the word bias and we say, oh, no, I don't I don't have any negative. I don't have any bias. I'm a good person. And I think most people generally try to be a good person, but we're all victims to the biases that are ingrained into our cultures, which then get passed off to us. So, for example, an, an example of a bias would be something, you know, it, it's, it's what I talk about in my TEDx talk. I was harassed and bullied by Italian kids, right? So to this day, when I meet somebody who's Italian, my hands get all sweaty, my heart starts to race. And I have a negative bias against Italian people because of what I've gone through in my life. But I'm aware of that now. And so when I'm making important decisions, like, for example, hiring somebody or promoting somebody or any important decision, I can check that bias at the door and say, Sejal, this person that's standing right here in front of you has nothing to do with what happened to you back then when you were a child. And so it's really important to do the work to uncover these biases, because if you don't, then unintentionally, unconsciously, you might say something, you might do something that can harm somebody. These are called microaggressions, right? We engage in these behaviors that are harmful to marginalized groups. And so as an attorney, I saw a lot of this going on, Michelle, where I would get a lawsuit on my desk of somebody that's being accused of harassment or discrimination. And I would take a look at this and I say, wait a second. This person has been engaging in this behavior for so long. Had we talked to this person when it first started to happen, maybe when it was just an unconscious bias, it wouldn't be a lawsuit now, right? We could have counseled that person. We could have trained that person. We could have event, we could have avoided this lawsuit altogether. So, so in my first TEDx talk, that's what I talk about is unconscious bias. I tell you some science behind it, and I give some really easy-to-implement strategies that everybody, no matter where you are in the world, can implement so that you can mitigate that from harming other people in your lives, including your loved ones. You know, um, 
when I was listening to one of your video, to your TED, TEDx talks, um, you mentioned that it's always good to ask somebody who will give you an honest opinion, whether it's a family or friend who will tell you the truth about maybe an unconscious bias or things that you've done or said for years that you don't even realize you're doing. Why is that so important to actually go to that person that you know is going to tell you the hardcore truth? So important, Michelle, because the thing about unconscious bias is that it's unconscious to us, right? We, we're unconscious of it, but it comes out in our actions, our behaviors, even the tone of your voice, the way you look at somebody, the way you don't look at somebody, it comes out. And so people that you spend a lot of time with pick up on what your biases are, even though you don't realize it's happening. And so that's why I always say like an easy tool to finding out your biases, including your unconscious biases, ask somebody who will be brutally honest with you, not the person that's going to tell you what you want to hear. That doesn't help us, you know, but someone that truly cares and wants you to be happy and live a fulfilled life with meaningful connections, ask them a simple question. When I make important decisions or when I decide on who I'm going to spend time with or who I'm going to hire, Am I biased in any way? And then just be ready for the answer you're going to get, right? Because people know. They pick up on it all the time, right? So. Wow. That was such a great. I want to pick up on that uh, when we get back. We have to take a station break right now. But we're going to come back and we're going to continue to discuss all the different biases. And we're also going to, just like I said, we're going to dig deep into Nobody Studios and the role of Chief Culture Officer. So if you want to be part of this conversation, that's one 888 is your life. We'll be back shortly after the break. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. There is much truth in a journey that ain't over yet, as all of us journey through life's precious gifts of time, just like I have. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. This is a must listen to for anyone who thinks they are stuck in life or need to understand that their current situation is not their final destination. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. It's the unfiltered truth to provide hope for the future by challenging you to refuse to become a victim of life's circumstance and dare to be an overcomer because a bigger, better, and a more impactful life awaits you. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Noah Dingley here, producer of The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And the new audio version of James' book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, is a must-have. James shares his true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. 
Get the new audio version of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James Cooley on Amazon.com or wherever audiobooks are sold. The Answer, San Diego, streaming now on TuneIn.com and Odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and uh, Sage is really putting it down. And she's educating us, just as we said uh, in the title. Uh, she is really uh, bringing it, and, and I think this is the thing that she's talking about. is so important uh, to bring all of us together and to also help us to understand that just because we might seem different and I say color or religion or where you're from or whatever, that does not make you different. And we all have to learn to love and live together, respect each other. And that's what it's all about, in my opinion. That's what it's all about. So, again, if you want to be part of the conversation, that's one 888 Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seven. Say, say, Judge, um, why do you believe there is a lack of educational awareness and information on how unconscious bias uh, operates? I know you and Michelle was talking a little bit about that, but can you add on a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, in the last decade, James, there's been a lot of research done in this area. And so I just think that it's not something that's built into our educational systems. Like I said, I didn't learn about it till way late into my legal career. And it's something that I wish I would have learned about a long time ago. I honestly think that we need to start teaching kids about how bias works, both conscious and unconscious when they're yeah, at a very young age so they can understand what it is and what they can do about it. It's There are some simple strategies that you can actually teach people that will help them go a long way and really change. I, I joke around about this. I say, you know, for the last 40 years, I've been learning and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life unlearning, right? And relearning <laughs> different ways of doing this because everything that we've learned is biased in some way, right? And so if you think about everyone saying we got to change our systems, we got to change our medical systems, our educational systems, our policing systems, all of that because there's underlying current of bias. And that's why I've really made it a mission of mine to educate people on this because it's not to say that that's the only solution. But in my opinion, it's a huge part of the solution when the majority of our population doesn't understand what it is and what to do about it, right? And that's literally what the main reason why I took the TEDx stage with that topic because I said, the more people that can learn about this, the more that I can keep talking about this and the more that people understand it and pass it on to others like you're doing today by allowing me to share this with your listeners, that's huge because Honestly, we just have to educate people. It's such an important topic. And there are things that we can do about it. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, right? Some of these things are ingrained so deeply in our culture that it takes inclusive behaviors. It takes accountability. It takes responsibility to do the work. But it is doable. And it, it enhances your life in so many meaningful ways that it's worth the effort. Right. So the more that we do to educate people, I think the better our world is going to be. I truly believe that. Wow. You know, can you tell us about Nobody Studios and your role as the chief culture officer? 
Would love to. And I got to give a shout out to our friend, Ray Leonard Jr. He's the CEO of one of the companies, Ovations, that's coming out of our studio. And so I really want to give him a shout out for making this introduction and making this show happen today. Um, But Nobody Studios is something I'm really, really excited about. It is a venture studio, which in and of itself is a different type of business model than most people have heard of. But basically what what we do is we create companies. So our, we have a crazy goal of doing 100 new companies in the next five years. So Ovations, that Ray's leading, is one of the companies that is coming out of the studio. But we, we create these companies, and in my role, you know, it's, it's such an exciting role as a chief culture officer. I really feel like everything I've done in my life to this point has gotten me ready for this role because now I actually get to work inside of an organization to create, help work with our leadership team and design our culture from the scratch, from the bottom floor up and really ingrain people first into everything that we do. So it's such an exciting opportunity and I'm constantly, you know, being challenged by our leadership team and I'm challenging them because we all bring in different lenses to this conversation. And, you know, most startups don't have a, a chief culture officer at this early stage. So them knowing that I'm out there advocating for diversity and inclusion and I'm out there talking about these topics, for them to bring me in to say, we want you to head this up and work with our leadership team says a lot about our studio, right? And so a couple of things that make our studio different is that we're people first. And so everything that we're building out really is designed to look at how do we You know, the way I look at it, James and Michelle, is I think everybody that comes into our studio, every nobody is a leader. And so my main responsibility is how can I serve the people that are coming into the organization and how can we empower them and support them in their roles, right? If we get that, everything else is going to flow from there. So I, I just think my job is just talking to each person that comes in the door and let them know what is it that you need. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to this work. I think a lot of people go in thinking, we're going to create this strategy and it's going to work for us, but we're global. We have, we have people in different countries, different time zones. Diversity is a, a really huge priority for what we're doing. Um, we, we want to be in every country. We want, we want to have nobody's everywhere. So we can't go into it with some sort of boilerplate, here's how we're going to do it. We really have to talk to the people that are coming to the studio and see what their needs are. And so that's a little bit of what I'm responsible for, but it, it's, it's such a great opportunity. And I get to work with people like Ray, our CEO, Mark McMally, and we have such a great leadership team all together that I really look at it like I'm supporting them and they're supporting me. We're working hand in hand and making this happen. Wow. You know, you, you mentioned um, the world, the global. And um, so this is not just a United States thing. It's, it's globally. Can you tell uh, our listening audience how can diversity increase a company bottom line? There are, you know, this is a great question. I actually just posted an article on my LinkedIn page. So people are on LinkedIn, connect with me on there. I'm always posting these resources. But I just did an article on this exact question about why diversity is good for business. You know, I mean, honestly, the business case for diversity was made a long time ago. This isn't anything new um, that I've written in that article. But I think it's important because it helps us see that aside from just the bottom line, right, which is I think a lot of companies, you know, when, when people are all pissed off about companies saying we care about diversity and they put out these big old, you know, 
commitment boxes, as people are calling them, it goes beyond that, right? Besides just being the right thing to do and besides it being for your bottom line, I mean, think about just having different viewpoints, having different perspectives within your organization, you know, to have those insights. When you want to be innovative and you want to be creative, you want different perspectives to think outside of the box. The more diversity you have within your organization that you can tap into, so that's one of the one of the other reasons why I was really drawn to Nobody Studios is that we're crowd infused. So we want diverse perspectives. We're building that into the structure of our company. So we want people from all over. And we know that some of the best ideas are going to come from all over the globe. And we're going to rely on that heavily from from not only just the ideas that come in through the door, but also from talent. We want talent from all over. You know, and so diversity is really good in that aspect. Also, I mean, if you're going to be a company that wants to be on top of the curve and you have a global market, for example, you have to know what your customers need, not what you think they need. Right. You actually want to tap into your customer base to get their loyalty rather than I think what a lot of companies do is they create these companies but they're creating based on what they think that customer market needs versus what the customer market actually needs. So diversity is important in that perspective in your customer base to identify what your customers need. Also, I mean, it's there's so much research that shows that when you have diversity within your organization, you have less lawsuits, you have less turnover, you have less morale, morale's not negatively impacted. When you look around and you see people that look like you, that share your perspectives, you're going to have less conflict usually, right? And so better employee retention. People are going to, I mean, I mean, just look at what happened last year, right? We've got like over, last number I checked was over 100 million people walked out the door. People are looking at, does this diversity matter to this organization? Not just lip service. They're looking at the people that work there. They're looking at what people are saying. And if diversity isn't a priority, they don't want to work there, right? And and also, I just have to point out, diversity is just one aspect of the puzzle, right? De- getting people of diverse, getting diversity in the door, and we're all different from each other. So I'm not just talking about representational diversity. I'm talking about cognitive diversity, personality diversity. I'm talking about all kinds of diversity. People who are different from each other. I mean, if if you if you don't put a focus on not only getting diversity in the door, but also inclusion. Right, creating an inclusive culture where people actually feel valued and welcome, the diversity is meaningless, right? So everything in this article that I talk about, about why it's good for your bottom line, comes with a big but. But you also have to create an inclusive work environment where people feel safe for, for you to get the benefits of diversity. Because I see that happening, you know, as an attorney, people are like, oh, well, look around, we have diversity. And I'm like, yeah, but do they all feel welcome? Do they all feel valued? Do they all feel safe to speak up when something's going wrong? That's when you know you've done it right. Wow. You know what? That's a, a great uh, way of putting it because, you know, diversity, equity. and I inclusion. can't hear you, James. I think you might I, be on I, mute. Okay. Can you hear me now? You know, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and we're going to continue this great conversation with Sage. If you want to be part of this conversation, that's one 888 Again, that's one 1- 888-344-1170. It's your life. I'm James Coley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome hey, adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. 
The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. We have the amazing Sajo Thacker on the show, and the title of the show is Educating and Empowering People to Create a World Where Everyone is Treated with Dignity and Respect. And audience, if you want to join in this conversation, please call in at 1-888-344-1170. That's 1-888-344-1170. Sajo, um... We read that you had the honor of presenting for Workplace Suicide Prevention and Postvention Committee of the American Association of Suicidology. Can you share with our listeners some of the issues you discussed during your presentation? Sure, absolutely. That was such an important presentation. And and that is also something that I have featured on my LinkedIn profile as well as my website. Um, But the focus of that conversation, Michelle, was really about civility at work and you know, I, I really take the position that organizations need to make civility one of their core values. And really, the commitment starts at the top with leadership. So in that presentation, I talk about all the different reasons why civility is the solution to a lot of the workplace problems. And I advise companies to really define civility and what it means for the company And what they really need to do as far as accountability goes. And so I talk about creating a civility plan to hold leaders and managers responsible and accountable for that core value. And so really great presentation, really intended to empower organizations and so that they can make their employees a part of that solution. Wow. So for you, Sejo Thacker, what is reinvention for you and how is that triggered within yourself? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm reinventing myself every day, honestly. I, I'm just growing. I'm learning so much, you know, working with Nobody Studios. I'm constantly being challenged in my thinking. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm open 
to learning and growing. And I, like I said earlier, you know, we have to, we, what we've experienced now, as far as where we've come with technology is going to go really quickly in the future. And so the quicker you can adapt and pivot and learn new technology and, and really be open and curious about what's coming our way, that's going to be what's going to help you survive. I mean, there's no other way, you know, I, I hear a lot of people saying, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. And I'm like, there's no going back. We're not going back. We are going forward and you need to understand that and get on the, get on this train because it's going to go full steam ahead pretty quickly here. Yes. Sage, I want to go back a little bit uh, about uh, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, can you provide us with some examples on how to create a positive, safe, respectful workplace and how it is critical in creating positive roads when companies are faced with navigating through critical times? Absolutely. You know, I, the first thing I always say when I'm asked that question is that you have to empower your employees, not just the leaders or the managers, but every single employee needs to be empowered, meaning they have to have practical skills, tools. There has to be adequate training so that employees, when they're dealing with incivility at work or they're feeling like they're dealing with a microaggression, rude behavior, illegal behavior, they need to know what to do in those situations. And we can't just expect people to know what to do. And we can't expect people to just say, okay, HR is going to handle it. We don't want HR to get involved. We need to teach people how to deal with a lot of these situations one-on-one. And if we do this right, you empower your team to trust each other. And that's going to create the psychological safety so that, let's say, for example, you have somebody that makes an inappropriate comment. I don't have to go to HR with that. I should be able to, if there's psychological safety, it doesn't matter if it's a CEO or whoever, be able to tell that person in a professional, respectful way, that comment made me feel uncomfortable. And if I'm able to do that and we have that, we can have a, a, a respectful conversation about why I feel that way, then I think most of those situations can be resolved. So empowering your employees with proper training and tools is the number one thing you can do. Also, I think it's important to be proactive, you know, teach people to be proactive, not to wait and wait and wait until it turns into a lawsuit or a formal complaint, but to be able to say, no, you know, if something's making you uncomfortable, talk about it with that person or talk about it with HR or bring it to your manager's attention. Don't wait because research shows that these issues never go away on their own. They're, they're only going to fester and fester and continue to get worse until they're dealt with. Right. So teaching employees to be biased towards being proactive rather than kind of just thinking they're going to go away is another important piece of the puzzle. You know, say, Joe, you know, people, um, do you believe in your opinion that employers, employees also have to remember this is a place of business. I mean, it's great to have great relationships with the, within your company to joke, but also certain things should be off topic. And when they're not, whether it's uh, sharing too much of your personal life or maybe um, overstepping your boundaries and asking questions. Do you believe that may be something that um, both employees and employees need to be trained on? 100%. Absolutely. These behaviors that we're seeing in the workplace have been allowed to go on for way too long and they become normal in a lot of environments. So in a lot of ways, we're having to go back 
and clarify what are the behaviors that are acceptable and what is not going to be tolerated. And we really have to put a zero tolerance policy on some of these things. Like there is no reason that some of these behaviors should be happening. But if they are happening, that says a lot about the leadership in those organizations, because leadership is the role model. It has to start there. And that's why I talk about there has to be a sincere and visible commitment by leadership to not tolerate these behaviors. So while we can't change, Michelle, while we can't change people's opinions or perspectives necessarily, we can change the behavior that happens within those walls. And so it really just requires clearly communicating with everybody that this is what we're going to tolerate. This is not what we're going to tolerate. So if you don't like it, you can go find another job, go somewhere else where those kind of jokes will be tolerated. But in our organization, we're not going to tolerate them because let's be honest, most of the discrimination harassment lawsuits start off as you know minor joking type of behavior, usually by people with good intention. But then we don't we don't put an end to it right when it starts to happen. And then it continues and continues. And pretty soon it's abusive conduct or bullying that's happening in the workplace. Right. So 100 percent. That's where we need to start is changing those behaviors. You know, also, I just want to add sometimes um, maybe employees feel uncomfortable confronting another coworker that something they said makes them feel, you know, uncomfortable. But that's when you started saying about empowering yourself to speak up regardless if you're feeling uncomfortable. You have to do that. That psychological safety has to be the first thing you look at in a company is do people feel comfortable voicing their opinions being comfortable to say, I don't agree with that. I mean, again, nobody studios is doing a great job at saying we welcome, you know, if you, if you don't agree with something that leadership is doing, let us know in a professional, respectful way. That's why we want everybody there to be able to feel comfortable with that because we would rather know and see if there's a better way of doing it or see how we can resolve that, then let it happen. But what's happened, unfortunately, and I've witnessed this is that, Instead of giving your employees courage to speak up, we see more of that institutional betrayal happening, right? Where somebody does speak up and then they get punished for speaking up. And we don't want that. That's not the right way to do it. We want to encourage people to come to us when there's something wrong so we can fix it and we can make it better for you so that you can thrive rather than you speak up and now you're the one that's paying the price for speaking up, right? We, that's the way it's been done. That's not what we want. We want to go the extreme opposite, right? So empowering people and creating that, it's going to take time for some organizations, especially where they have allowed these behaviors to continue for so long, that it's going to take some time to undo that, right? But it is doable. I've seen companies that have been toxic, been able to turn it around. So it is doable, but it just requires a commitment and the financial resources behind that commitment to really make that happen. Wow, we're down to about the last 90 seconds. How can people get in touch with you uh, and enlist your services, uh, et cetera, if they needed to? Yeah, so, you know, you LinkedIn, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm really, that's really the only platform that I'm very active on. So connect with me on LinkedIn. Also, you can look at my what I do under my Train Extra hat with my training at trainextra.com. And then you can look at, please check out Nobody Studios. We're doing such amazing work and we're always looking for people, for talent. We're looking for investors. We're looking for people who like what we're doing and that'll help us 
make some noise about a lot of the great companies that are coming out. So plenty of opportunity to join our Nobody Studio journey. So you can look at our Nobody Studios website as well. Sanja, I want to thank you uh, so much for taking the time to come on the James Cooley Show. It's your life. Always, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to invite you back again because I know it's a lot of other topics that uh, you talk about, especially when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. I, I don't think that uh, our listeners can get enough of that because we all need to learn those things. So thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. I'd like to thank uh, my great uh, co-host, Michelle Cooley, for always being here. And she does all of the heavy lifting. I'd like to thank my great producer, Todd Pirate. Uh, you the man. You are the man. I'd like to thank our listening audience for always taking the time to tune in to the James Cooley Show. It's your life. We're looking for sponsors so we can always continue to bring great guests like we have with Sager and continue to get the message out. So I tell you, we'll be back tomorrow. Same time. Same place. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been the James Cooley Show. It's your life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.